Hello and welcome to the Diz Unplugged Roundtable Discussion for March 27, 2007. From Orlando, Florida, I'm your host, Pete Werner, joined by our Orlando team, including Bob Varley, Julie Martin, Corey Martin, Kevin Close, and John Magi. In this week's show, we'll tell you about the most popular news stories on the Diz, including the controversy surrounding Disneyland's possible expansion plans. Kevin Close will give us his review of Narcusi's restaurant over at the Grand Floridian. Corey and Julie Martin will give you their latest ideas on things for couples to do in Orlando in this week's Couple Things to Do segment. All that plus roundtable rapid fire and listener emails on this week's edition of the Diz Unplugged Roundtable. All right, we'll get right... We we have no corrections from last week, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but people have written to me to tell me that I made a mistake about um, the fact that you don't. There's no way to make an ADR for the Plaza Restaurant. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. So it was a good thing we told them actually that we did know that we made the mistake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for keeping us honest. I'm telling you, we we, we can get away with nothing with this group. They're That's very, good. They're on top. Of, it's very good. I'm really happy about it. I'm happy people are listening that closely. That's great. All right, we'll get started then with the news. Our number three story this week, the Associated Press is reporting that Disney chairman Bob Iger is reconsidering the possibility of releasing the classic Disney film Song of the South. The 1946 film was the basis for the Splash Mountain attraction at both Walt Disney World and Disneyland. The story depicts the plight of a young white boy named Johnny who is sent to live on his grandparents' Georgia plantation when his parents separate. Johnny befriends the grandparents' popular black servant, Uncle Remus, who tells him the story of Br'er Bear, Br'er Rabbit, and Br'er Fox, which are, in fact, old black folk tales. The film has never been released on home video, due in large part to company fears that it would spark controversy, as the picture is not what anyone would consider politically correct, especially given its depiction of the film's black characters as servants that live in ramshackle houses on the grounds of a large plantation. The film also uses the term tar baby, an expression that recently landed at least one presidential candidate, John McCain, in very hot water. Iger told the Associated Press that the question of Song of the South comes up periodically. In fact, it was raised at last year's shareholders meeting. Since that time, uh, he, according to Iger, quote, since that time, we've decided to take a look at it again because we've had numerous, numerous requests about bringing it out. Our concern was that a film that was made so many decades ago being brought out today perhaps could be either misinterpreted or that it would be somewhat challenging in terms of providing the appropriate context. Song of the South last appeared in theaters in 1986, and while some black community uh, leaders are not enchanted at the prospect of the film's release on home video, still some others think the film does have historic significance, and if released, should be prefaced and closed with present-day statements. Which, I mean, right now there's a huge demand for, for Song of the South. Yeah. Well, I got to tell you, it's not that hard to come by. Well, if you want to get the European bootleg version. Well, we have a, a copy that has Japanese subtitles on it. It's the Japanese karaoke version. <laughs> yes, it's only when the music plays. Right. right. The Japanese subtitles. And I have up. to tell you, the biggest problem with Song of the South is it's absolutely dull, except when they're singing. Oh, no, I think it's a great... Uh, oh, it's overacted. It's hammy. It's, it's but the worst. Only the animation and the songs are what's ma- what makes it. The rest of it is like... Uh, I don't think so. I thought it was, I, 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 it was always one of my, I mean, I remember seeing it as a kid, um, not in the 1940s, but um, <laughs> when it was re-released in the <laughs> 70s. Um, but I mean, I always, I mean, I, I, I have fond memories of it. I mean, I understand the concerns too about, I mean, let's face it, Uncle Remus is about as stereotypical as you can get. I mean, it, it is, is an absolute stereotype of, of blacks in the South and I can understand their. Their, their hesitation is the fact that their audience is going to be the under eight set. 
because I can't believe there's going to be a much older kid who's going to sit and watch this more than right. once. So mm-hmm. it's going to be the people who, you know, the younger kids. So you're going to reinforce stereotypes. Well, I, I would like to believe, though, that at this stage of the game, that, that those stereotypes are, are so old and just so not a part of popular culture in any regard anymore that it would be seen... I don't think it would be seen as... I'm not sure if I'm saying this right. I don't know that young kids would look at that and say, oh, that's what black people are like. I, I don't think that's... I think the exposure to racial diversity on television right now is such that it would be seen in context. Even for a young kid, would be seen in context for, for its Well, I its also time think period. that it's just the nostalgia thing. The fact that you can't get it is what makes it so popular. I used to teach, and I put on Fantasia for kids one day, and everybody considers it Walt Disney's masterpiece. No kid's going to sit and watch Fantasia. It's, it's dull yeah. and long, other than the dinosaur part. It's dull and it's long, unless you're an adult and can appreciate the beauty of it. Yeah. So I'm not sure exactly how many copies of this are going to be sold, unless it's sold to adults who want to say, you know... Oh, I'm sure on an, at least a first release basis right, that they would probably sell an awful lot of these. Right. The other thing, too, is words have meanings and and context depending on the present day use. When we watched it and it, we first got it on the bootleg copy and you get to the part about Br'er Rabbit building a tar baby, I gasped. I, 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 sh- I, I yeah, I, I shuddered. I said, oh my God, I can't believe they're doing this. And then you think about, well, what is a kid today going to know about tar baby? They're is not that- going to know about that. Exactly. So, you know what? Maybe it raises conversations with people. And well, this is what, this is a piece of American history. It is. That we're not proud of that occurred. And has to be talked about. That, yeah, that shouldn't necessarily be swept under the rug. And I understand Disney's reasons for doing it, and I appreciate their sensitivity. I mean, that's one thing we can we can definitely give them is they're very sensitive about offending anybody. They try not to. So I appreciate that it's at least being looked at and at least being considered, and they're reaching out to leaders in the black community to say, hey, can we do this? And if we can, exactly what's the best way for us to approach it? Well, it's also weird that they approach this subject with that it's so taboo. If you watch Mary Poppins, women couldn't vote in that movie. Well, what's also interesting because the article mentions that, uh, you know, se- uh, released seven years prior to Song of the South was Gone with the Wind. Right. And yet that's readily available. And considered um, the classic. And considered a classic. So, I mean, there does seem to be a little double standard there for Disney, um, which I think is unfair because, I I mean, I don't know that the film was made from the standpoint of being intentionally racist. It was the 1940s. Right. And unfortunately, like John said, we're not proud of of our history, but in some cases, but that's how blacks were depicted in films in the 1940s. Well, not to belabor this point, but Peter Pan was just unvaulted. It was just released from the vault, and Peter Pan doesn't depict Native Americans in a very good light. No. No. So, I mean, but there was very little outcry yeah, over well, the... well, that's because the Native Americans, I don't think, have the kind of lobby and... and They're not organized? Put, not, not, the, not, the, not organized at the level that I think some other minority organizations so it's just, it's, have. So, it is. It's interesting to say. I'm, I'm hoping they do release it. I think it would be, it would be nice to see a non-bootlegged version of it. See, without the Japanese subtitles. Without the Japanese <laughs> subtitles. Only, and the Japanese subtitles only when the singing starts. That's that so just funny. cracks me up. Yeah, do a CD set with the... how. How the drawings were made and stuff like that yeah. included in it. Could, they could do all sorts of things with it. So, yeah. All right. Our number two story this week is a short one, but a very cautionary tale nonetheless. It comes from Local 6 News in Orlando. A Kissimmee woman was arrested after she was found selling bogus Disney and Universal tickets outside a busy supermarket in Osceola County last week. 38-year-old Carrie Geith 
was arrested after it was alleged that she was using a chemical to remove the original names from tickets and replacing them to make them look new. And folks, do not buy your tickets in front of from a, a woman in a supermarket parking lot. <laughs> if it's okay. too good to be well, true, no, it is. She had a kiosk. She oh, had a kiosk. Oh, um, you know, cardboard uh, box. <laughs> in many cases, a lot of these kiosks are in fact associated with timeshare organizations, and they will give that you valid tickets in in exchange for um, in exchange for a timeshare store or, or a timeshare tour. If that's something you're interested in, that's fine. Those tickets are almost always legitimate. If somebody's actually selling you a Disney ticket at a discounted price in the parking lot of a supermarket, don't buy it. Run. They're not legitimate. They're not legitimate. You are, I mean, there are storefronts like the official ticket center that you know we've been doing business with for a number of years that are very legitimate. They buy their ticket stock from Disney. They have contracts with Disney. They have contracts with Universal. These are legitimate organizations. Those do exist. But these little kiosks that are selling tickets at a discount, a heavily discounted price in particular, um, there are no real heavy discounts on Disney tickets. And when you see one, it's either a timeshare t- uh, tour is required or you're being ripped off. The old adage, if it seems too good to be true. It probably yeah. is. Exactly. I'm not going to specifically mention what, where this is because uh, I don't want to be sued. But there's one place in particular, very near to Disney property, that actually has a giant sign outside that says, we buy and sell used tickets. And you got to be very, very careful. If you're going to go that route, don't do it. But if you're going to go that route, there's no way of knowing from looking at the ticket how much time or day is left right. on it's it. true. And no and organization outside of Disney has the ability to read those tickets and tell you that. Exactly. They, there's no phone number you can call. There's no way to figure out. I always am amazed that people buy tickets from on, um, on auction sites. There's no way to tell if you're buying a used ticket or a, a brand new ticket. Well, there's a related story actually on the Diz this week about a woman who did buy $700 worth of passes on eBay. And she got ripped off. She never got her passes, never saw her money. And fortunately, and that was going to destroy her trip, her one trip to Disney World with her kids. And fortunately, a local news uh, station had run the story. And a, a kind, a good Samaritan went and sent her $1,000 um, so that she could wow. buy real tickets. And, well, that's, that's that very Which nice, I thought was really cool. Worst thing you can do is get up to the ticket and give you a ticket and uh, not be able to get in because it's a, a fake ticket. Yeah. When that turnstile won't turn. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I understand, I understand and completely. And you have to tell the five-year-old. Well, I understand completely go. that you know the, the Disney tickets are not, not inexpensive. Um, and if you know people will you know try to save money on their vacation, is, I understand that. I understand that motivation. But, folks, you've got to use some common sense. If, if it's too good to be true, it probably is. So, just a cautionary tale for everyone. And then, uh, moving on to our number one story this week, there's controversy at Disneyland. The LA Times is reporting, reported last week that Disneyland's potential expansion plans seem to be running afoul of the Anaheim City Council. Disney sued the city of Anaheim last month to protect zoning in the resort district around Disneyland in an effort to block construction of a residential building project that included building affordable housing in the area. Uh, The article reports that unnamed sources inside Disney have said that the plan is to try and recreate the Florida Resort in in Anaheim, which includes adding more hotels and at least one more theme park to the resort. Uh, Disneyland President Ed Greer did not release any specifics about future plans, but did say that this issue, the building issue, is very, very important to us. I don't think that can be underestimated. 
there's much more of an opportunity here for us. And now on the heels of a very successful 50th anniversary campaign last year, which saw Disneyland's income increase by more than 30%, the resort is poised to expand. Its resorts are currently operating at a ni- an unbelievable 93% occupancy rate, which wow. is just... But they're always, they're always full. They're always full. And uh, most of the other uh, resorts in Anaheim, by comparison, are running around 72% occupancy. Now, Disney currently owns 460 acres in Anaheim, and neighboring landowners apparently have been approached recently to sell their property, although no one's saying who it is that's approaching them. I think everybody can kind of figure out it's got to be Disney. Um, Yeah, those days of Walt sneaking up and buying property without anybody Yeah, those are long, long gone. Uh, Now, the article also cites Disney Parks and Resorts President uh, Jay Rasulo's comments about creating niche theme parks, parks that would be higher priced and offer a more intimate experience similar to SeaWorld's Discovery Cove, which limits its attendance to no more than 1,000 people a day, charging $259 per person for the experience. This model may work well in Anaheim, where their land is at a premium. And I tell you, it's really getting ugly out there with with the controversy of this, of building. They do not want... These affordable low-income housing units in their area—they just don't want it. And as, as right. one blogger yeah. pointed, as one blogger pointed out, um, you know, they don't want to build this, you know, expensive niche theme park in some expensive hotel, and then right across the street have affordable yeah. housing. Nobody wants to walk yeah. around there. Well, night. that's the property off of Harbor Boulevard. Off of Harbor Boulevard. And the strawberry fields across from the Sheridan there. Which is where they're saying is the third, the third theme park right. is going to go. But that's mm. on the other side of that is where that affordable housing, they want to go. Right. And one of the things they did, which I find, I, I found this article really interesting. It was a very interesting article. And one of the things that happened was Disney went in a closed-door session and told the committee what their plans were. Right. So they they took the time. Under condition of secrecy. Right. To go in and show them the plans of, this is what we have planned, and maybe you should but recons- members, but Right. I and mean, members of the city council were saying, we see no reason to tell builders you can't build because Disney might do something in the next 25 yeah. years. But haven't right. you heard that, that, I mean, it seems to me that that strawberry field has been a rumor for... No, it's, they own no, it. They, they own, own it. it. They when own the guy it. Who, now, what, what I heard, and again, how, how true it is, I know for a fact they own the land, but what had been the, the man who had owned it for many, many, many years refused to sell it to Disney. When he died, his sons went ahead and sold it to Disney, and apparently they didn't get anything near what it was really worth. And when the sons figured it out, they tried to backpedal on the deal and couldn't. So mm, Disney ended yeah. up getting that for a good price. Well, for the longest time, it was supposed to be a water park. They were going to build right. a water park There's still there. talk of that. There's still talk of that. That is definitely going to be the site of a third park. Now, whether or not it's going to be one of these niche theme parks, as I just mentioned, whether it's going to be something a la California Adventure, which I think they'd be loath to try and do again, um, because California Adventure, I, I happen to like California Adventure, but I know a lot of people don't, especially the the hardcore yeah. Disneyland fans who li- who are local out there, just do not find California Adventure very enjoyable. I think, um, I think the problem with California Adventure is it doesn't address the creativity and the imagination that the first Walt is or the first Disneyland and uh, the Magic Kingdom in Disney World addressed. 
we haven't seen anything since well Everest is pretty close but we haven't seen anything like a Pirates of the Caribbean or a Haunted Mansion lately we're seeing sort of There's, retreads yeah, Monsters Inc yeah right. um, so I, we're not seeing that level of imagination I think that's the problem I see with well, I California think, Adventure I think what the problem one of the problems they have too with the locals is that for the locals the California experience is their everyday life now, for me, when I go out there, California Adventure yeah, kind of represents yeah. a cross-section of what I imagine California to be. Right. And, you know, not being from California, only having visit. Well, I mean, I've been out there a number of times, but um, only on vacation, not as, a, not as a resident. So for me, it's like, wow, this is a cool California experience. So I think, I think that's part of where the disconnect in the success of that park is. Now, they are going to be, they did announce that they are going to be changing up some rides and kind of boosting that that yeah. area well even yeah. the characters at california adventure like when you see mickey and minnie they're all dressed up like they're on vacation yeah you know yeah. That, that's really cool yeah and they they are getting better at it like adding the food and wine thing to the uh california adventure uh, so it, they're working at they at are that. they are but, now what do you think do you think a niche theme park uh, uh, something along the lines of a discovery cove which is what SeaWorld has out here in orlando do you think a niche theme park is going to work for Disney, whether it's Florida or If they're California? going to raise the level back to what people have expected of Disney in the past, if they're going to put another Triceratops spinner that camel ride in Adventureland in, no. <laughs> I don't think anybody wants to ride Dumbo again. Yeah. You know, I don't think we need another version of that. Yeah. I also interpreted some of that as saying that they were looking for these niche theme parks in other places. Like, not necessarily California and true, Orlando. True. They're looking to put them in other places. And I think that, that this is a, an inherent problem that Disney has with their other theme parks is that you can't just put a Disney theme park in the middle of a state and expect people to show up. It just doesn't work that way. There has to be some sort of infrastructure. There has to be some sort of um, a draw to that area. Because you yeah. look at something like Hong Kong. And you look at, at Disneyland Paris and how they floundered. You know, you just can't drop a theme park in the middle park in the middle and say, okay, people are going to show up to it. So, well, think, then, but then that, that, play, that kind of plays into some of the arrogance Disney has where they do believe that whatever they slap right. their name on is simply going to work because they've slapped their name on it. They, the current management doesn't seem to get that the success of the parks here, the success, success of parks like, like the original Magic Kingdom out in Disneyland – came from what you were saying before, Kevin, this this amazing creativity from 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 within right. that built these great rides and told these stories and, and that there has been such a departure from that in, in the ideology of the current management at at Disney that I think there's a disconnect. They just be- they believe their own hype. They've mm. made the mistake of believing their own hype. Well, I think that's one of the things that people are fearful of of this new uh, West Side expansion in Florida, mm-hmm. that they've outsourced a five-star luxury resort to the Four Seasons. There was a time when Disney should have been able to create their own five-star resort. Why can't if you can run all these parks? Why can't we? Why can't we watch them do this again? We're looking to Disney to have that level of creativity and imagine it, imagine imagination and quality. That Walt talked about. Right. You've railed about it for months now that they're outsourcing, <laughs> you know, everything. It comes to them to the point where we're looking for that level of quality that we expect. Because, because other, it used to be that 
companies like the Four Seasons and the W Hotels and those guys came to Disney to figure out how to do it right. Right, Disney now used Disney, to have seminars. Exactly, and now Disney seems to be going to them saying, you can do it better than we can. Right, And, and the weird thing is when you think about this whole space issue – here they are in California. They don't have enough space. They're buying up as much as they can, and they're pushing the boundaries, and they're entering into suburban locations. Yeah. It's inevitable. They don't have the space out there. However, here in Florida, they're selling off pieces of their property. Yeah. And what did Walt say? Something yeah, the, about the blessing of size. The thing mm-hmm. that he had in Florida was the blessing of space. Right. Yeah. And I'm so not- now it's, you know, why can't they see that? Why here are they selling off pieces of the land of the pieces of this property, and out there they're having space issues. It's just it's a weird thing that I don't understand who's thinking about it. I've also been seeing stuff on uh, a pot going in Texas somewhere. That's yeah, been a we've rumor been for a long time. Yeah, we, we're getting a lot of a lot of emails about that. Yeah. We haven't heard anything, folks. Yeah, I haven't heard nothing. nothing at all about a theme park. You can't buy your annual passes yet. Yeah, I haven't heard <laughs> anything about it. Well, my yeah. joke is they already have it out there. It's called the Alamo. <laughs> go ahead and go visit it. There's a place in Kissimmee where they're selling annual passes for Texas Disney. There's a, there's a lady going up to all the cars. She's selling annual passes for the, yep. don't the buy Texas. It. Okay, don't buy them from her <laughs> either. <laughs> I'm thinking he's serious. All right, we're going to move on and do our rapid fire segment. And I will start with Mr. Varley. Okay, I got two things you know, real quick. Uh, Back to the Future ride is history. As of the 31st? 30th of 30th. March. That's at Universal. I got this big card in the mail from the uh, uh, Universal itself telling me, you better hurry up and get there before it's finished. So that's official. Uh, things that we hear is like Simpsons might be going in the there. Simpsons, a ride based on the Simpsons movie, yeah, the nothing upcoming o- Simpsons yeah, movie. Nothing official that, but they at least set a date for it. So that's the first thing. The second thing I have is SeaWorld is adding attractions in uh, to their theme park, their SeaWorld park. Uh, Elmo Buccaneer show, which is about a 20-minute show, and it's got a uh, new female Muppet. They haven't added a female Muppet for 13 years. Wow. Oh, wow. So her name is Abby Cadabby. Cute. Yeah. So that's going to happen. And then they're adding a sea carousel. Um over in Happy Harbor, which is kind of over by where the uh, horses are and the beer area. <laughs> <laughs> the Budweiser area of the park? Yeah. Yeah, the Happy and Drunk Harbor. <laughs> beer. <laughs> That's why they call it Happy Harbor. Pet a horse, have a beer. So uh, they're adding things. That, those will be open, they say, by Memorial Day weekend. Awesome. So, I think Elmo's going to be huge over there. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Now, Elmo, interestingly enough, is going to replace that um, Otter show. Have you ever seen the Otter oh, show? No. Yeah. I love that show. With yeah. the mime? Yep. Which is really the only reason you go see the show. Oh, I think the <laughs> otters are cute. I, I think, think those trained otters, otters are, are really cute. So that's sort of the, the, turn off, the, the trade-off there is you're losing that really cool show. But hmm. well, Are they keeping the mime? <laughs> Otto will be miming. Oh, Elmo. Elmo. Otto. Otto. <laughs> The German Muppet. <laughs> they're keeping it. They're keeping it in like a, a pirate theme. So that pirate ship will stay there. Well, they we'll don't want. Yeah, they don't want to lose the set. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, Mrs. Martin, what do you have? Um, just a quick menu update. Um, Animal Kingdom and the Animal Kingdom Lodge have all been updated as of last week, and then also we'll be adding Narcoosies this week as well. 
All right. And you can check out all of our menus on the dining area of the site from any page. Oh, I also wanted to say I've had a few people email me just um, little tidbits, you know, like certain things may have changed, like a name or a lead character for like a character dining experience. And I want to say thanks to those of you who email me and give me these little bits of information. I always reply and say thanks for the update. But I want to thank them on air. Yeah. And if you also if you have any uh, uh, corrections, Julie at www.info.com. And you can check out our dining area by clicking on the dining link at the top of any page on the Diz. And Mr. Martin. Um, for those of you who like to know when your favorite attraction or resort opened, we added a new page to the Diz called When Did It Open? Regina actually put together a, a nice list of every attraction and resort in the year and month and the day it was open. Wow. So I think that's really cool. That's that going to solve so many arguments. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or start a few. Right. Yeah. If somebody disagrees. We don't really know where we're going to link it from because it's not really in planning. It's not really in theme parks. So we, we're going to probably add a new section to the site. History. You know, history of Disney. History just, really just for fun or something like yeah. that. But we'll have a link to it in the show notes. That was great. Regina did that. Yeah. I reviewed a book uh, last week or the week before called uh, Spinning Disney's World by Charles Ridgway. He was the publicity uh, person for Disney since 1963. Mr. Ridgway is going to be touring the uh, Central Florida area all during the month of uh, April and speaking at several of the bookstores in the area. There's a lot of dates all over the, the um, all over Florida, Orlando, Merritt Island, Daytona, Celebration, Bradenton, Brandon, Gainesville, places like that. Mm-hmm. And he's going to be speaking and signing copies of his book uh, about the history of Walt Disney World. So I thought people might be interested in going to that. We're going to put the sh- on the show notes the schedule of where he's going to be and the times and things like that. Great. Great. Excellent. John? Um, Disney Cruise Line has once again lowered their price on the 14-night transatlantic eastbound sailing. Wow. It is just getting cheaper and cheaper to go on that cruise. Um, pretty much the special rate that's out there now is only for Category 12 staterooms. However, if you try to book a Category 12, you're going to get a Category 12 guarantee. And what that means is you are guaranteed that price, and there's a very good chance that you'd be upgraded to another stateroom category. There's only a couple of Category 12 staterooms on the ship, so obviously they're overselling those and they're pushing people up. give you an example of pricing. Uh, we just provided a quote to a client. They have two adults, two children, ages 2 and 5, 14-night transatlantic eastbound sailing in May of 2007 for $2,305. Oh, my. That's 14 nights on the ship. You're kidding me. For four people, right? For right. four people. That's Again, incredible. That's cheaper than the travel agent rate. It is. They've got, they've got a Category 12 guarantee. Since they're four people, they're guaranteed to go up to the next Category stateroom because Category 12s only sleep three people. Mm-hmm. So you're at least guaranteed to go up to the next category however if the ship is this empty you know there's a good who knows where you're going to end up exactly so um people need to keep in mind that is a one-way cruise exactly you gotta pay to get back it's a one-way cruise to uh to to, uh barcelona Barcelona. and so you do have to fly yourselves back however if you're looking to going to europe and you have two weeks to get there it's cheaper than airfare (laughs) really Especially for four people. If you're looking to go to... Oh, any, sure. Uh, it's cheaper than airfare. It's cheaper to go on this cruise than to fly to Europe. However, it takes two weeks. Yeah. But <laughs> you're two weeks on, on, on the Disney. I don't know if I could do... I mean, I love the Disney ships. Don't get me wrong. I don't know that I could do two weeks without going out of my mind. Especially that much sea time. Because you're all... It's all, almost all at sea. Yeah. yeah. I it couldn't do it stop, in the Cat 12. It doesn't stop at any 
ports in, in between. There's a castaway key stop, and there's... You go to Tenerife, and I yeah. believe you go to Gibraltar. However, once you leave castaway key, there's not a lot to stop at till oh, you yeah. get there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. And keep in mind, folks, that uh, this one will require passports to come home. Uh, the, uh, the, the waiver that the U.S. has on passport requirements right now for cruises will not apply when you have to fly back home. So you just need to keep that in mind, that you must have your passports in order to do I mean, that cruise. You need a passport just to get off the ship yeah, in Spain. Need, right. Yeah, you'll have to get off the ship in Spain. The other thing I want to mention real quick is we had a chance to go to Wolfgang Puck Express over in the marketplace this past week, and we had an absolutely awful experience. That's disappointing really? to hear that. food was terrible. The service was terrible. We spoke to the chef twice. Ice times he came out and apologized. He things tried, were sent back. Things were sent back. He tried to say it was because they have new um, prep chefs. I don't know if that's indicative of a, of a prep chef, this much incompetence. I have a feeling that they've changed their management over there and things have been oh, switched up. Oh, I hope up. not, because that's been like one the, of my favorite places. As a matter of fact, we mentioned that yep, last week. Yeah, I said it was my really, favorite counter service. I don't like the fact that you have to rely on service now. I mean, I know they changed this a while back, but I liked when you walked up, like a cafeteria style, got your food, paid for it, you were done. Now you have to go order it, sit, and wait, and now you have a service issue Yeah. in addition to a food issue. We had a family next to us mother, father, and I think three kids. Mm -hmm. And at one point, we heard them say, we've been waiting an hour for our food. The guy came out, the manager came out, and said, what did you have? They lost their order. Oh. They lost their slip. They and needed- then he asked them for a receipt. Can you prove you ordered this? Oh, and no. she pulled out the receipt. And at that point, then he started apologizing. And I thought, who would come and sit here and tell you yeah. they've been waiting and plus an they hour. had drinks in front of them that you can only get. You only Inside. get those cups from right. when you order. So it was it was very disappointing. The quality of the food we found was just not so good. Yeah, they had a bad night. They yeah. need to drop the, name, the, the word express off the, the yeah. thing if they're going to keep doing this. Yeah, you used to walk in and grab your it stuff. Was, it, was it, was it was express. They might want to drop the name Wolfgang Puck if they're going to keep doing yeah. this. That's not real consistent with the experience you're supposed That's to have shame. at one of his eateries. So. Because we always again. liked it there. That's it. Well, thank you. Thank you, John. And uh, for me, uh, just we have uh, a complete schedule now up on the Diz for the Flower and Garden Festival, which begins April uh, 5th. April 5th. Yeah. And uh, that's my birthday. Proceeds, uh, goes through uh, the uh, June 3rd. And we have everything up there all the, uh, the, the concert series, uh, the themed events, and the highlights from the festival. We're going to include a link to that. In the show notes, I get some real. I don't know if it's just me or if this just seems like a much, much more involved schedule. Well, it's two than months. they've had. Yeah, but in in the past, I don't remember there being this many events, this ma- this yeah. much going on. They've got an awful lot going on. I mean, food and and flower and garden has always been a great event. It's always a great oh, time yeah. to go over there. But this looks like it's really going to be fantastic. Yeah, they've got some 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 really fantastic. One thing that really struck me was uh, uh, the first weekend, April fifth through the eighth. Experiment with orchids. Um, my partner Walter is a, is a is an avid orchid grower, and I know how difficult they are to grow. Uh, it's not something most people can just pick up and start doing. You really need to know what you're doing. So, and uh, that I thought was really cool. They're doing something with that, and they have a lot of uh, celebrity uh, gardeners, I guess, um, that are going to be doing seminars and, and all sorts of stuff. Really, really neat yeah. stuff. So, um, it's always fun to watch the garden festival evolve. When you first go see it, you can see that the plantings are new. 
and it's our the peak of our growing season. So by the time the flower and garden festival is over, it just is lush and beautiful. Yeah. And they just they just with the topiaries, everything they do. I mean, the, the Epcot special events, whether it's flower and garden or food and wine. Just they do a great job. Epcot never looks job. better, in my opinion. I, I agree with you. The I Flower and Garden you. Festival actually was the first time that I'd ever seen a jasmine tree. What they call it a lakeside jasmine tree. Mm-hmm. And Corey and I went and bought one because we saw it there. <laughs> oh wow! I love it. Yeah, uh, I think, like I said, you know, Epcot. Uh, I agree with you. Epcot never uh, never looks better than yeah. during Flower and Garden. As a matter of fact, I don't think there's a theme park in the world that looks better than Epcot at Flower and Garden. Right. So. Uh, we have all that information up on the site, and we will include links to all of the things we discussed here at the uh, during the Rapid Fire segment on our show notes page, podcast.wdwinfo.com. And uh, we are going to move along, and uh, Kevin Close is going to tell us about uh, his recent dining experience over at Narcusis at the Grand Floridian, or Narcusis, I believe. Is the, it's only a local thing. Okay. Uh, we, we're looking for a place that... Uh, to review, I've gotten lots of emails stating that people like hearing this and they're sort of trusting us now that we're talking or that we're being so honest when things are good and bad. So we decided to try a place that we hadn't been before and we made a, uh, an advanced dining reservation for Narcissus. One of the things that cracks us up when we make dining reservations is you can never make them for the half hour or the hour. You have to come up with some weird Disney uh, time of five fourteen, five fourteen, six ten, and then you ask them for. I'd like six o'clock. I'm sorry, we have five fifty five. All right, fine, whatever. <laughs> I was told when I made my advanced dining reservation that there was a dress code at Narcusis, or Narcusis, sorry, and that you had to wear a collared shirt, but shorts were fine. No. Uh, Really? Bathing attire. Uh-huh. It, Shorts I was told, are fine. Yes. I was told. So beach dressy. Pretty much. It was, <laughs> it's what they call resort casual. They don't okay. like sandals, though. However, we got to the restaurant and no one was following this dress code. <laughs> so um, take that for what it's worth. Let me tell you about the restaurant. I was very impressed with this restaurant. It's what I would consider to be an awesome dining experience. It is high quality food. It is an elegant dining adventure in a casual atmosphere. Wow. Now, I have to tell you, the prices at Narcusis are up there. They're among the most expensive on property. Right. However, if you've never been there, and again, I never have, it is the premier dining location. From my seat, I could see the Polynesian. I could see the Contemporary. I could see the train station at Main Street. I could see the castle. This is billion-dollar yeah. real estate. Wow. It was just – and we went early in the day, and I can say something great about that. You've got a great view. But I also imagine that those window seats become um, – Highly coveted on nights when there's fireworks and the main, or the electrical water parade. Right. So, getting to the food, the food is what I would describe as e- elegant seafood with some other choices. Uh, there were three of us, so we tried to sample across the menu. We had the crab cakes, uh, we had the artisan cheese platter, and we ordered the two uh, soups that were offered on that day. Where one was a Five onion and mushroom soup, and the other was a seafood chowder. Now, we recently told you about Artist Point, where we got the artisan cheese platter, and we thought it was kind of ridiculous. It was two ounces of cheese on 
this acre of plate. This, however, was done extremely well. This was one of the highlights of our meal. There were four choices of cheese, and I have to tell you, we got larger servings, and the cheeses were terrific. Hmm. The soups, while they were good, we considered them kind of overpriced and... Not really in addition to the dinner. Now, I've told you in the past about a crab cake that was absolutely awful. <laughs> From the uh, coral reef. These were wonderful. Were they? These were two small crab cakes cooked to perfection, almost all crab. Does it amaze you that one of their restaurants can be so bad and one can be so good? It seemed to me that there was a great deal of care in this restaurant that I haven't seen in other restaurants. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't, I'm not saying this across the board. We eat at Disney quite frequently, and there are times when you see a huge level of care and other times when you don't. Uh, several times throughout the course of our meal, we saw the chef come out and talk to people about dietary issues, allergy issues, uh, steered them in certain directions, offered to make, and we were just eavesdropping, so it wasn't like we, you know, he came over and talked to us. But we listened to him tell other people what they should and shouldn't order if they had allergies, and could he uh, amend any offering. Now, we did do that ourselves. We ordered uh, three entrees, and I think I was the only one who ordered it as is. Um, The two other people in my party both made substitutions, one just based on taste. Um, There was a surf and turf entree, and we switched out the lobster tail for the seared scallops. Mm. And that was done without hesitation. And another was done for dietary restrictions. Uh, Now, you guys, you just don't like lobster or? I actually ordered it and I saw the lobster come out and it was kind of like "Eh, I can get lobster. I can get boiled lobster anywhere. The description of the scallops, though, was tremendous. And I thought I really want to try those scallops. And I was impressed in that you got the same number of scallops as people were getting on their whole entree. Were they oh, big wow. scallops or the small ones? No, they were the they big, were huge. The, the big sea scallops. Oh, they were so good. They really were. They, were. they were as big as the top of a soda can, oh, uh, nice. a 12-ounce soda can, wow. and probably an inch and a half to two inches thick. The, this, was, this was food that had been tenderly prepared. Nice. Yeah. Um, again, I had uh, the... Special of the day, which was a baked flounder with uh, caviar butter. And it came on top of our gratin potatoes mm-hmm. with some asparagus. And there was a lemon butter sauce over the top of it that was liberally filled with caviar. And I'm not a huge caviar fan, but when it's spread throughout a sauce like that, it adds a nice salty flavor to it. It was very elegant. It was very elegant in a very casual atmosphere. It was like wow. a beach restaurant. Um, it's got a very nautical theme. It has a very beachy feel to it. And I went in shorts and a collared shirt. I followed the dress code, and I felt very comfortable. However, there were many people around me who had on T-shirts with slogans across the back of them, you know, where they had been and things like that. Nothing off color, but it was. it's a very, very casual atmosphere for an elegant meal and i think that is just a great combination i love it i'm not a dress-up kind of guy putting on a suit coat to go out to dinner to me is the antithesis of going out to dinner i go out to dinner to relax it's one of the few places on property that you can actually eat on the water i mean i have to tell you water the view alone is worth making the view alone yeah Okay, but I a lot a of times, okay. uh, but I'm sorry, but a lot of times when you've got a rest, not just necessarily Disney, but anywhere when you've got a great view, restaurants tend to just rely, rely on that and fall back on that, and they let the food suffer. It sounds like that wasn't I was, the case I here. kind of was expecting that. I kind of went in with a chip on my shoulder that 
if I'm going to pay to eat here, I'm paying to eat here where I'm sitting. And I've got to tell you, the food was absolutely wonderful. All three of us walked away thinking this is great. We split a dessert, which was, I I don't want to give anything away, but it was very surprising. It was based on the year of a million dreams. And we got something on our plate that we weren't sure whether it was edible or not. And (laughs) John and my mom convinced me to take a bite of it, and I'm pretty sure I was eating cardboard. <laughs> so it was, but I have to tell you, for all of this being said, this is a fine dining experience, and you pay for that. Now, we ordered, whenever we do one of these restaurant reviews, we really try and go to the breadth and scope of a menu or of a, the offerings. We try and pick something from each category. A lot of times we over order, excuse me, over order in order to get a wide sampling. Mm-hmm. And while we didn't wildly over order, there were a couple little doggy bags that went home, but our check for three people was $200. Wow. So, and that's without any alcohol. No alcohol. No, it was. Um, hmm. And for the drinkers out there, there was an extensive wine list. Right. Was it? Was a really extensive wine Yeah, this list, thing so. included things like John got a press pot of coffee at the end. We had dessert. We had two bowls of soup. We had three appetizers. We had three entrees. And John's entree alone was, I believe, oh, I have the menu right here in front of me. John's entree alone was $52. Wow. But that was for surf and turf. That is the high end. But you you also said that the number of scallops, the large scallops that you got, was the same as people who ordered the scallop entree. Wow. I, I was impressed. I was impressed with how willing they were to make substitutions. Didn't bat an eye. Didn't say anything about that. Um, I wasn't as impressed though with my piece of meat. The steak itself wasn't mm-hmm. like, oh my god, this is the best steak I've ever had. But so the seafood is more their specialty. I have a feeling. The feeling is their specialty. Yeah, my mom had a chicken dish that she thought was superb, but it was supposed to come on a, a stew of white beans and sausage, and sounded very spicy. <sighs> We changed that to uh, gratin potatoes and um, asparagus. asparagus, and they did that without mm. hesitation. There was no problem with any kind of substitution you wanted. The other, so, thing, the other thing, too, is when you go to a Disney restaurant and you order your food, they have a tendency to pile it up. You're halfway through your entre- your appetizer, and all of a sudden your entree shows up. Oh, I hate up. that. Oh. So we always order, wherever we go, our appetizers first, and then we wait. Yeah. The we do the same thing. Yeah. So they... Not even a word. We'd like to do this. We'd like to order this way. That's fine. We'd like to ask you to do X, Y, and Z. That's great. So it was really very, very accommodating. I get. I actually get angry when I'm at a restaurant yeah. like that, and I'm not done with my appetizer. And I tell them, not only are you going to take that back, but you're cooking it again because you're not putting it under a heat lamp. Yeah. Well, I think one of the ways to avoid that sort of aggravation is to sort of set that up when you go in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tell and them. And a lot of times you'll run into places who are just looking to turn the table over. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I get the feeling that if we had wanted to linger, that there was no one going to suggest that we move along. Was it busy when y'all went? Well, and, I would hope not. Well, when we first went <laughs> in, it wasn't busy, but every table was filled by well, the time What day we was were, this? It was a Thursday night, last Thursday hmm. night. Okay. So, I mean, it was, by the time we left, the lobby was full and there were people waiting outside. So it's not, I mean, I can understand that they want this table again. This is val- valuable real but estate. But at the same time, you guys, you know, but you spent a lot of money. But you're paying $200 for three people to have dinner. I'm going to take my time and enjoy well, it. Well, that's what we did. We set that up so we could avoid any of that aggravation and have to send anything back to be reheated or recooked. And we just let her know what we were going to do so there was never a problem with that. We're going to try it. But I would yeah. definitely recommend that if you're looking for an upscale 
casual dining experience. Right. Without having to do the whole dress up thing and, you know, people question you on what you're wearing and things like that. This is the place to go. I, I can't say enough good things about it. I have wow. two questions. First one, is it some place where we could send people on a romantic dinner? Oh, absolutely. Even before the dinner, um, even before your meal, there's a veranda all the way outside outside the restaurant. And I'm a local. And I think I took 15 or 20 pictures from the balcony alone. I mean, wow. this view is really good. Yeah, a spectacular view from there. You are out in the middle of the Seven Seas Lagoon yeah. overlooking the Magic Kingdom and the Grand Floridian and the Polynesian and the Contemporary. Now, do they serve on the veranda as no. well? No. It's not. There's a there's a bench outside, so you can sit down and watch the boats go by. The yeah. other thing is the little um, the the resort launches are back and yeah, forth right all there. the time, yeah. and you know you can watch the monorail. I, the monorail goes around, and the you know there were the seabirds out on the Seven Seas Lagoon. I really felt like I was on vacation. It felt like we were someplace other than where we were. It was a really nice. Elegant thing. The other thing is it's completely handicapped accessible. Yeah. So we got a romantic place for people to go. Take take notice of that. Okay. Second question. I know Gico's is your favorite. This I, it's funny. I I mentioned that at dinner. This could rank up there with Gico. Okay. Wow. That's, that's what that's, I wanted. That's, that's that's a rave. Okay, yeah. folks. So you got and I find this even more casual than Gico. Okay. Chico's yeah. a, a dress-up place, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. I felt comfortable in shorts and a, uh, I, a long-sleeve shirt with a collar. Okay, so that's a great review. Yeah, yeah. I, it's really. I thought it was really, really good. I, I want to mention the window seats. The window seats are highly coveted. Everyone, they tell you if you want a window seat, get there 45 minutes early, and you might have to wait. The restaurant is really set up, so every seat is a good seat. There's the seats right against the window. Then there's seats right behind those, tables right behind those. Then the next level of people are raised up. So everyone can see out of those windows and have a good view. Now, what about like for people like me who aren't big seafood eaters? Is this a restaurant that you think I would enjoy? I think you would. I really think you would. Again, I had the, the surf and turf, but you can get just the steak by itself. There's a chicken entree. There's a vegetarian entree. There is... Against uh, steak and beef entrees. So, yeah, I think it's something. I thought it was really, really good. And on top of that, the appetizers alone. This is what I would consider to be a special event kind of place. This Mm -hmm. is not the kind of place we would think on a Wednesday night, hey, you want to go out and get a bite to eat? This is something you would plan for. But as John said, I wouldn't stress over that. When they tell you, when you make your ADR, they're going to tell you if you want a window seat, get there 45 minutes early. I would not stress over that. There's not a bad seat in the restaurant. Okay. I think they piped the music in also for the fireworks. We we weren't there late enough. Yeah, but I, I, I do believe that happens. I imagine if you're there at the time the fireworks are going on, you probably can't get a better seat. And I, it was to, I was told that you're more than welcome to go out on the veranda. Yeah. Now, I think you're probably going to annoy the people you stand in front of who have waited 45 minutes for that window seat for a fireworks view. <laughs> so I would take that into account when you're doing that. But by all means, give this place a shot. Wow. Well, great review, Kevin. Yeah. I'm glad you guys uh, enjoyed the meal. That it was sounds, terrific. I definitely have to. I feel like I really want to go check this yes, place out lie. now. <laughs> Can we go after the podcast? We will go right now. Oh, we'll go right. as soon as we're done. All right. Well, thanks again, Kevin. That was great. Can I add one thing? The, the menu that we just talked about, uh, we also got the children's menu and the dessert menu. Will all be the updated menu will be on our menu page. 
in our menu database. And in our menu database. So if you want to see the menu that we just talked about, it'll be up when the Give show Give me a day. Up. <laughs> <laughs> it's up now. Go now. <laughs> I'm going to try to work over there and uh, get some pictures over there, too. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. Our next segment is uh, Corey and Julie in their couple things to do segment so um and they wouldn't tell us what they did it had to be a surprise for the show so guys well i know y'all were gonna kind of probably what you'd probably tell me not to do it well i um, oh great (laughs) (laughs) i need need to preface by saying i've been trying to convince julie to do this for about seven years now um ever since we moved here you (laughs) just listen peter look look at pete's face Well, about a week and a half ago, Julie said, maybe we should... Maybe yeah, I we looked should at, no, I looked at him and I said, you know what, Corey, I've been thinking about our, our segment, you know, and I said, I'm going to agree to do something that you wouldn't think I would want to do. And so we, um, we went to Old Town Sounds Kissimmee. Sounds so dirty. And did the, uh, we went to Old Town Kissimmee and did the, uh, the Sky Coaster, which, oh, is, no the, You're fools. which is the tallest, <laughs> which is the tallest Sky Coaster in the world. Why didn't it, you it tell is, us you were going to do it? I would have videotaped it. Oh, oh, we have a video. We got the video. <laughs> we, we paid for it. Um, oh. it's, uh, they raise you 300 feet. You mean you're suspended in uh, 300 feet above the, uh, in can the I air. preface by saying that I'm extremely afraid of heights? I mean, I don't even want to climb up on the ladder and get in the attic. I can't believe you got her up 300 feet. <laughs> she suggested it. I, oh I, stopped, I stopped asking you her about to, it. You have to describe it for the audience who don't know what the sky coaster is. All right. A sky coaster is kind of um, it, it's, it's in between uh, skydiving and hang gliding all at the same time. You actually free fall for about 120 feet. Until the rope actually catches you and swings you like a pendulum. Okay, no. that was the scariest part. Uh, now you can do this on a clear. If you do this on a clear night, they say you can see from coast to coast. Yeah, if you your see, eyes you are see, open, you can see. <laughs> you can see the lights in Tampa, yeah. and you can see all the way to uh, Port Canaveral. Also, no, I'm not joking. And yep. it is high up there. We did it together. Yeah. You can do it. Uh, you can do it single, um, a Double couple, or triple. Or triple. Now, it, um, if you do it by yourself, it's forty dollars. You do it for if you do it a couple, it costs about seventy. You can buy tickets from the official ticket center. It'll couple. You can do it for uh, fifty dollars. Now they put you in this little harness. I, I wouldn't say it's a little harness; it's a big harness. Um, and they strap these cables to your back, and you you kind of you kind of <laughs> you kind of lock you kind of lock your elbows, and then they. Then they start raising you up. It takes about yeah, a minute. They mi- put you in this little platform that's in the middle of a lake where the sky coaster flies over. And so once you're in this little platform with your two guys that are helping you, ours were Matt and Daniel, and they tell you what to do, and all of a sudden, you know, you put your feet in your little stirrups, and you, you fall flat. Like, then you're just hanging flat, the both of us, you know? Yeah, those two guys are guys I wouldn't piss off. And then, it ra- <laughs> and then they raise you about all the way up to 300 feet, and... You know, it's funny. They pull wait, wait. you backwards, though, so yes. you're, like, facing the earth. Well, you know, but can it, I just say that you weren't distracted by the fact that you're going up so high because you could see so many things. Like, I'm like, look, there's Expedition Everest. You know, he goes, oh, I see the Tree of Life. You know, you could see the Epcot Ball. I mean, you could see You can see so many everything. Everything you Swan can see. Swan and Dolphin. You know, I'm horrified r- r- right just <laughs> listening to this. Right before, right before they start raising you up, they were kind of messing with us because yeah. he had a few little shackles left in his hands and they were kind of raising us up. He goes, oh, you didn't put these on them? No, I, d- I forgot to put them on them. And I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm like, y'all need to put those on. Let me ask you a question before you continue. I thought you were you were flat on like some sort of uh, 
tarp that held you. You're actually just well, in a harness. These are like, they look like straight jackets, except you can put your arms through them and they go from your shoulders all the way down but to your But you're individual and Corey's yes. individual. Yes, and okay. then they connect you and you have to interlock your arms and okay. be sure to hold on tight. That's the only way we were connected was locking our elbows. <laughs> so you're not really in anything. You're just no, kind of no, in this jacket. Yes. You're in this jacket. And, and they strap a cable to your back and, the, and these cables are um, connected to two other poles that are in front of you. Now, one thing I thought you know, when they, we were going to do this, I thought you know, this cable was going to have a real, real tight... Um, like the, the tension was going to be very tight and they drop us and it just swings. There was no free falling. Well, when we started getting up there about 300 feet again... You see the cable in front of you kind of drooping. I didn't notice that, by the way. Well, I noticed that. Well, and I'm like, well, and what difference is it? Well, <laughs> going anyway. So I, I knew we were going to free fall. For I it. didn't know we were going to free fall. So I'm just expecting him to pull the cord and we just swing. Oh, yeah. And oh, I you had have to pull, to pull the cord yourself? Yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. And they, yeah. I made sure they put it on his side because they, I probably wouldn't have pulled they it. They didn't have a ladder up there trying well, to get me down well, because my hand would be frozen. <laughs> well, what they'll do is they'll say three, two, one. And then that's when you, you pull the cord and it's. Who says that? You're 300 feet in the air. It's on. They have like a, a speaker or something up there. I don't know what. But God I heard the guy say. <laughs> but Goodbye. let me just say, okay, once we were up there and I heard the guy say, okay, it's about ready for your, you know, your sky coaster ride. And he starts counting down and I knew Corey was going to pull that cord and I didn't know it was going to free fall. So, I mean, for it me, who's good. never done anything like that in my life, you know, all of a sudden I was just like, I started screaming and we were falling <laughs> and all of a sudden we got caught and I was like, oh, <laughs> do you snap when you hit bottom? No, no. it's, it's smooth. It it's really smooth. is. It's smooth. You go about 80 miles an hour. Yeah. And you swing out and really the high. The only thing you back. can see coming at you is that fountain in front of you. Right? I thought we were going to hit it. I thought, you, <laughs> yeah, I usually think they go through it and it's like, I just go over there to watch all the well, people It's definitely an like adrenaline babies. rush. It's a... Definitely an adrenaline I was rush. shaky once it was done, but I was really I'm proud of myself. And, I didn't go. and it was a lot of <laughs> I'm, fun. I'm terrified just listening to this. And if we go this, back, really? it's it's only twenty five bucks a person. Oh, yeah. you're going back? Um, I would like to go at night, like they said. They say at night's the best time, the and they said it's a long wait. Oh, you, so this you is for again. a more adventurous couple. But I must say, if you are, are married to or dating someone that is adventurous and you're not. Give it a try. I mean, I did. Wow. I mean, it only took six or seven years, but hey. Okay. <laughs> the older, stable couple, go have dinner at Narcissus. <laughs> <laughs> or for those older, more stable couples who haven't done very many adventurous things in their life, go and do this. Well, I got to tell you, I mean, I'm, I am someone who is absolutely terrified of heights. Yeah, I'm saying like you. I, I, get on a, I get on a ladder, I get nervous. Not, not ex- that's no exaggeration. In a million years, you couldn't pay me enough money <laughs> to put myself in a contraption like that and let some carnival people make <laughs> me at, at 80 miles an hour. Strap you in. And the, when, you say, when you say you can see both coasts, you know, I, I, and I understand that's probably very cool. For me, that is like terrifying. If I'm up high enough... And I could see both coasts. I don't care if I'm in a building. That's probably okay. going to freak me this out. This was hard to keep from you because Corey and I both, like all this weekend, I'm like, I, I can just hear why. Peter now. I was like imitating him. He'll be like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> that's, like the high, that's like the highest point in, in Florida. Yeah, it I was talking, 300 I was, feet. I was it is. talking to Corey yesterday yeah. to find out if you know you guys had anything for the show today. And 
And and I'm like, so what is it? He's like, I'll tell you tomorrow. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, you haven't done it yet. He's like, no, we have. We'll just tell you tomorrow. <laughs> now you understand why we're keeping it a secret. Yeah, now I understand why. It's a, it's... You lost me at they strapped cables to your back. <laughs> <laughs> they also have the uh, a ride right next to it. It's uh, jet cars that you like, like the whole, like the G force the G force. Oh, you like a giant slingshot. Yeah, yeah. I'm not doing it. So keep so your brochure. In other words, Old Town. <laughs> Old Town has all of the attractions that Disney finds too unsafe to even talk about, let alone yeah. open one of their parks. And What's really not- funny, and the people who don't get jobs at Disney are working now. <laughs> <laughs> What's really funny is at least in Old Town, there's sort of that, there's that lake and the fountain and everything. Have you ever seen the one off of I Drive? Oh, that's scary. That's just over traffic. Yes, there's no way. <laughs> yeah. That's what I told Corey. So the fact that it's over water, even though if we fell, I know it would feel like I was hitting a brick wall. I said, I'd rather hit water than pavement. Okay, yeah. before the people who work at Old Town write to me, I was joking. <laughs> we sure you're very smart. I, I'm yes. not besmirching your educational. I, I just am not. Don't write yeah. to me. <laughs> so yeah, we did this. We just walked up. We didn't buy. Um, I mean, you can you can find coupons online, like the official ticket center. We also we bought the DVD. So if you can, Pete, if you can take this DVD and if you can put this on the web, everybody I can kind of. Yeah, I'll see what kind. I'll see what format it's in. If I have to rip it, I'll. Rip I mean, it. she zoomed back from where she was filming, and we looked like little ants. Yeah, up there. hanging up there. That's because you're 300 feet in the air, <laughs> yeah. you're the tallest thing in the in the and then, state. And then what's the video of you coming at her really fast like oh, a bug in the, the windshield? Whole thing. <laughs> I love you guys Julie have to watch the whole thing all the way from, down. The whole thing from it shows from when we were strapped it, like when we got on there, and then it shows us being pulled back up to the the point of the the highest point of the attraction. Wow. And then, then me pulling the cord, and then yeah. that's it. Did you guys get tattoos while you were over there? <laughs> Body piercings. I survived the sky coaster. <laughs> I, yeah, something like For that. For their next couple thing, they're going to sign a death pact. <laughs> Russell alligators. Well, wow. that is certainly more than I was expecting. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I'm going to stick to restaurant reviews. Okay. Yeah. Say we do the eating. And then we went to dinner. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, yeah, you, you certainly it. don't do dinner first. <laughs> yeah, that would be bad. Oh, unreal! So forty dollars for a single, seventy dollars for a couple, and you can get discounts online. And, and they are back, open early during 25. the day. They're only open from three p.m. to midnight. Three p.m. to midnight. And that's over at Old Town in Kissimmee, mm-hmm. which is on Highway 192. Yes. Yeah. You can't miss it's about a mile, and a mile and a half. Yeah, from well, you I-4. can see. I mean, if you're on I 4, you can see the sky coaster. You can see it from Tampa. <laughs> just, just look for three large poles. <laughs> that's it. Three no, one has to say, I did ask the guys who uh, you know, were in charge of hooking us up. I said, So who do you guys maintain this? Because there are there's a ladder that goes all the way up. And he goes, Oh, no. He said, There's a special guy who comes once a week and checks it out. And he goes, I don't think I'd want to climb up there. <laughs> I don't want to be there on day seven. I do. Uh, wow. Bob's <laughs> like, that's the day that it was day something seven, would go wrong. Yeah. Oh, he's coming tomorrow. He was supposed to look at it tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't mean for you to crash into the water. Wow, like that. It did bring us very close, didn't it, Julie? <laughs> hey, we were really close to that fountain. Uh, well, thank you very much, Corey and Julie, for that uh, enlightening. <laughs> if not frightening. <laughs> if not frightening report. Now, if uh, you have anything uh, you'd like to, uh, Corey and Julie, to check out for couples, or if you have any restaurants that you'd like Kevin Close to review, or if you have any place you'd like to send Bob uh, for his uh, Send Bob to the Park segments, please let us know. Send your emails to podcast at wdwinfo.com, or you can go to our website, podcast.wdwinfo.com, 
look at our show notes page, and we have the uh, form right there for you to fill out. So please let us know what you'd like us to eat, experience, or get slingshotted 200 feet in the air. <laughs> no, I'm not so doing the slingshot. And make sure that. you get those names right, because Kevin ain't doing those. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, we will move on and do listener emails this week. And uh, John, what do you have? I have one from Jennifer M. in Washington, D.C. Now that Disney theme parks are going to be trans-fat-free, do you think this is a move that will save them money, or is it more of a gimmick to get more people to attend their theme parks? Um, I don't think it's either, Jennifer. I don't think it's a gimmick, and I don't think it's going to save them money. I just think it's something that they're... Everyone's doing right uh, now. Yeah, they're jumping on the healthy bandwagon, and that's what they're going to try to do. In my opinion, <laughs> um, I hate it that they're going trans-fat-free. I mean, when you go to a lesser fat, it changes the flavor of things. But isn't trans-fat really bad for you? It's Terribly very bad, bad for me. But that's, why, smoking. but that's why it tastes well, so good. Well, I don't smoke. But, yeah, it's, <laughs> but it's a choice people make. And I think yeah. the idea of the fact that someone's going to then say, okay, you're not going to be able to get this here. So, I mean, well, I guess they do that with alcohol, Trans too. Trans-fat is bad for you, as well as being dropped from 350 feet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> But the reason why we like it is because it has a certain flavor and a certain texture to our food. So I think changing to this, I can tell a difference right away. I know immediately when it's gone from that to a really? healthier fat. See, I, 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 I have no idea. Yeah. I can't. Because I know, I know, I think all the theme parks now in Orlando, I know Universal has, I believe SeaWorld has, and of course Disney has, all of them have moved away from trans fats. As a matter of fact, I, I'm, I'm noticing in a lot of restaurants I go into, there's notices on the menu, you know, no, we don't use trans fats in our, in our frying, so... Yeah, I mean, even Subway is advertising. Have you seen the Subway versus McDonald's commercial? Yeah. Well, like, even McDonald's in their fries now, they're, they're frying with that. But they the say, oh, uh, yeah, well, Subway's been advertising the fact that they're a health food restaurant for years now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Who's that guy? Real, yeah, Jared. Jared. <laughs> well, I, I could probably use some, some tips from Jared. <laughs> I've got about 40 pounds I need to lose. The tip is you eat a half a turkey sub a day. That's it. Oh. Is that what he did? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and then walked like 40 miles. Right. You know? <laughs> In the meantime, he's seeing dead relatives at night. He's so hungry. He's like, oh. <laughs> you know. Making a lot of money. Oh, that got Kevin. <laughs> Kevin just lost his headset. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think the trans fat thing, uh, you know, I don't know. I, it's, uh, I don't have a really opinion on it one way or the other. It's, it's not going to save the money. As a matter of fact, it's going to mm-hmm. cost the money because mm-hmm. it means now changing your procedures and changing the way you do stuff. And it's going to cost us money because they're going to raise exactly. the prices because now this is so much better for you. Right. And I don't think it's going to cause anyone to go to a Disney theme park. Yeah. As, ooh, you know, it's so damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah, it's one of those. Mm-hmm. One of those situations. All right. And Mr. Varley. I have one from Sarah Kay. I'm not sure where she's from. But she loves the podcast, and she wants to know Port Orleans, Riverside, or French Quarter. Uh, Her husband and her are coming the first anniversary, and they understand uh, uh, French Quarter is smaller. How much smaller is it? Uh, Is it quaint? Is it one of the adult attended more than the other? I have some information. Uh, It is smaller. It's smaller by about 1,000 rooms. Uh, Port Orleans French Quarter has 1,008 rooms. Uh, 
Riverside has Riverside has eight. Two, oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, two thousand forty-eight rooms. Wow, it, really? About, I didn't know there was that big difference. Yeah, I knew, I knew it was bigger. It's, it's a bigger property on uh, Riverside. That's why uh, when they, they use it for the cruise, uh, it's a bigger property. So right, and they don't use the French Quarter, but it, it's it's a nice quaint. There's also a huge difference in the feel. French Quarter has almost just an urban feel to it. Right. It's like, you know, the pretty parts of uh, the French Quarter. Yeah. And the clean parts. Right. <laughs> and I wasn't going to say that because that's where we are from. <laughs> uh, and Riverside has a more rural sort of southern plantation feel to it. Right. So there's a very different feel. However, Riverside has a much better food court. Yes, it does. Yeah, but, but Riverside's isn't it under food court is under right rehab now? right now. Yeah. Okay, so French Quarter has a re- uh, food court that's open. I enjoy, <laughs> I enjoy Riverside. We've stayed at Riverside. Yeah, uh, I like Riverside, That was like too. the first Disney resort I ever stayed in the Magnolia area. We didn't stay in the, the swamp area. The nice thing is staying there, you can take the boat right into downtown Disney. Yep. I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, that is cool. She also asked about romantic dinners, and we had touched about it on this podcast, you know, I can never say the name of that restaurant. Nakusis. Nakusis. Sorry. I didn't want to step There's on There's nothing it. romantic about the French Quarter food court. No. No. <laughs> no, but she she's looking for a location uh, other than Victorian Albert's. That's romantic. Which is too much. Uh, she's looking for something that has fireworks. and The California much, Grill. Yeah. yeah, California Grill she mentioned. She's also looking for how to order a cake. Uh, one thing that comes to my mind is the Boardwalk Bakery. You can order a cake there. And there's other suggestions on on the boards and and things that we have for ordering cakes. And the last thing is character dining for two kids in their 30s. Is it a waste of time or a fun time? That depends on you. My opinion on this is, and I've done character meals, and the characters tend to take and hover to the kids. To the kids. And it's... Not as much for the adults. I mean, but that doesn't mean adults can't do it. No, I don't. I don't. I'm not saying that. But they, you'll find them. Hover, I mean, they'll come by and hey, take your picture and that. But they, they go to the kids, and that's basically what I see when I go in, into. The- I don't find that at all. I find that I get hugged every time you go to a character. Well, I, get, I get hugged, but you know they. I see a little, you know, more attention towards the kids. Well, I, I mean, think because the little kids will then turn around and interact with them. Right. I'm yeah. hovered over my plate, shoveling it in. Yeah, yeah. don't. <laughs> and Piglet's going to move to the next person. The only yeah. time it's weird is when you're at the Crystal Palace eating pork and Piglet hugs you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and it, so. that also depends on you know what's your favorite character. Don't just go to any random character meal go to someone who you like you know mm-hmm. if you like the poo characters go to crystal palace you know things like that and mickey and minnie have chef mickey's and the cinderella I, has the 1900 park fair if you like chippendale you can go to any of them the one i yeah. like <laughs> the other <laughs> one much. i like is over at the beach club uh at cape, the cape may. may cafe yeah. cape yeah. may cafe has a a, a buffet style thing and i've had some but that's ex- only at breakfast right no. Yeah, at breakfast, they, at breakfast is, is the character, is the character meal. meal yeah. But uh, I've had a good time there, so uh, that may be fun. Also, found you. the food there for for dinner for at that buffet pretty good. Yeah. Clam bake. Yeah, yeah. we bake. actually go to we we go to the Cape May buffet. Yeah. I don't want to say frequently, but usually anytime we have friends in town, that's one of the places we take them. That's a that's just a standby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. I agree. So. It's not gourmet, but it's good. It's good. Yeah. yeah. Did we answer questions about romantic places? 
Romantic place. Well, we, we suggested had California Grill and Narcusis. Narcusis. Oh, okay. yeah. Mama Did you have another idea? No. And she had mentioned Brown Derby, so don't, don't safe bets. Absolutely. Thank you, Mr. Barley. And um, I'm, not going to ad- I'm not addressing one email in particular. We've gotten a number of emails, especially over the last couple of weeks. You folks want to see pictures of us. Um, and uh, let's just put it to this way. Some of the people at the table, myself included, are a little on the shy side when it comes to having our pictures taken. Because uh, that's a nice way of putting it. But um, we're going to do something in the next couple of weeks. Um, we're not putting our pictures up, but we're going to do something in the next couple of weeks that should should satisfy people's curiosity. Well, about well I can tell it. people that if you, if you want to see Julie, just go to Dreams Alone to Travel. Yeah. And there's a, a <laughs> video, video trivia, trivia challenge with 21 times in a row. 21 times in a row. There's, there's Julie right there. You want to see me rent babble? <laughs> <laughs> I'm Peter. a little woman who couldn't speak it. <laughs> I think we got Corey in one of those outtake things, too. Oh, Corey's going to be revealed in our, our Sky Coaster video. That's right. Oh. But, <laughs> but That's right. And actually, Bob, uh, Bob, you'll be able to see in an upcoming video clip um, uh, from Universal Studios oh, when God. he was talking to Donkey. And oh, crawling yeah. in his cart. Yeah. Cosmic rays. You can, you, can Google, you can Google my name. You'll find me. <laughs> actually, if you Google my name, I'm the... the editor the guy from npr national public radio oh yeah <laughs> i didn't know that. we share a name but um yeah so I, I i appreciate that you guys want to see pictures of us but uh yeah, I guess we have a good solution to it i think it's not for any other it's not for any other reason like i said and some of us myself included are uh, a little on the shy side when it comes to having our pictures taken and put on the site that's why there hasn't been a picture of me on the site in years. And the last picture of me that I can remember putting on, intentionally putting on the site anyway, was uh, a trip John and I had taken, like, like a few years before we moved here. It's at Christmas time. It was like from 1997, um, and I was about 500 pounds thinner than I am now. <laughs> I think I posted a picture of you at uh, when you were in the hot seat. Who wants to be a millionaire? I know I wasn't supposed to take a picture, but I had to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that. That's when I, um, when I, when I, the question I got wrong was uh, uh, another name for uh, a, a bathroom or something, or is, uh, yeah. lavatory was something. Was one of the another name? Yeah, another name for bathroom, and it was like Lou Lavator or lavatory was what it was the correct answer, and I said attic. <laughs> <laughs> I just I got confused. I know, I know. Which is why on my on my uh, on my tag on the boards easily confuses bathrooms and attics. That's where that comes from. Well, your attic smelled funny. (laughs) So, all right, folks, that's going to do it for us this week. We hope you enjoyed the show. We will be back next Tuesday with another edition of the Biz Unplugged Roundtable. You guys have a great week.